teenager, you may not have heard of the term video nasties or gross-out films. These terms refer to a whole group of pictures full of blood and guts, sometimes real, sometimes fake. And kids are renting them voraciously and holding video nasty parties in their homes to see if they are man enough or woman enough to sit through all this disgusting gore. The trend is so popular that some stores have devoted entire shelves to this gory stuff under the horror label, but this isn't regular horror pictures. This is stuff that is simply blood and guts. And the most popular nasty of them all is a piece of trash called Faces of Death, which purports to be a professor's investigation of death worldwide in his effort, he says, to gain knowledge about the fragility of man. Sure, I'm the Easter Bunny. <laughs> Hey guys, this is the Morbid Horror Podcast, and today I'm here with Lucky Surdy of Dead Vision Films. If you want, I mean, if you want to say hi or introduce yourself, even though we've uh, chatted on here a few times now. Absolutely. What's up, everybody? Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, today we're talking about or ranking our top ten personal favorites of the video nasties. Um, we have two honorable mentions, and it's going to be a 10-to-1 list. 10 being, um, they're all our favorites, you know, it's 72 films. We're doing uh, prosecuted and non-prosecuted, so that is a list of 72 films. Um, so we all pretty much love these uh, 10 movies, so it's not that one's our least favorite if it's number 10. Just boiling it down to our top 10 and ranking it from there. Um, and with the video nasties, uh, as a lot of people probably are, probably already know about it um it's basically after in the late 70s and early 80s um a bunch of un, uh, uncensored and uncut films were released on video in uh, great britain and that sparked a lot of uh, public controversy also at the time i believe there was uh in britain there's more uh household uh, cassette players there's more ways for homes to access these on a per capita rate than other uh developed countries at this time and it kind of, since a lot of this material is kind of new and a lot of the horror kind of pushed the limits, it caused um, kind of like a public freak out, um, thinking that, um, you know, these films could lead to, you know, serious mental damage or cause somebody to be actually physically violent from the viewing of these films. And that, that ended up, um, people pushed uh, legal action on it and they had basically... You know, this, this uh, group of uh, mostly low-budget and more extreme-for-the-time films on it. And um, after, um, that was uh, the, 80, that was 84, that was the Video Recordings Act. And then after that, every movie that was to be released had to be uh, um, viewed and passed by uh, the BBC. Um, or, yeah, the, B, or the BBFC, not BBC. The BBC. BFC and um, and yeah, it's basically how uh, the video nasties uh, started, and we're just gonna out of these seventy-two films deemed uh, too dangerous. We're like I said, just ranking our top ten favorites. Gonna start with um, our two honorable mentions. Uh, if, lucky, if you want to kick it off, you can start with uh, your first honorable mention. We can just sure dive thing. right into it here. Um, so my first honorable mention is a uh, is a slasher that, you know, 
I still feel like it's pretty uh, underrated as far as as slashers go. Um, it has a really great uh, villain, a really great you know design for a, a mask in quotes, but um, uh, and that's uh, 1981's The Burning. Um, I I like this film a lot, um, and I think that more people should be talking about it when they're talking about the great slasher films of the 80s um you know uh it definitely deserves to be in the conversation um you know tom savini's effects are always top notch he's coming right off of friday one um yeah but i mean still it just it doesn't really get a lot of love to me. I mean, but the people that love it, I've heard that this is a lot of people's favorite slash movie, or like at, at least in the top, you know, for the people that like really love it. But still, a lot of people need to get on the the burning train. Uh, Cropsy is is really rad. So that is uh, my first honorable mention. Uh, 1981's The Burning. Of course, a classic. I remember when I first watched that movie, I. Must have uh, rewound, uh, restarted the the raft scene probably ten times when I first I mean, saw it's, that. It, it's such a uh, a great slasher, like a true slasher sequence, uh, and it, it, it's it's scary. Like it, it's it, it kind of for the time and and the the kind of slasher movies that we were seeing. It, it's like it was kind of frightening. Um, yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, very good. Awesome. Uh, my uh, first honorable mention is The Last House in the Left, 1972 by Wes Craven. Um, people probably already know a lot of it. It's basically about uh, these two, two friends going to a concert, and they're trying to, trying to score some weed before, and they end up uh, being held hostage and uh, raped. And um, For the most part, I'm going to try to keep these... Uh, Spoiler-free-ish, even though most people, if they're listening, probably should have seen this movie already. <laughs> but um, it's just uh, it's just a nasty, gritty movie. Um, I found it really interesting, too, how Wes Craven is somebody who grew up in a strict, uh, strict religious household and wasn't really allowed to access films that he wanted to see until the age of, like, 18 years old. And I just think it's funny how you can have someone maybe, like... Um, um, having, like, forced suppression on um, their thoughts, not necessarily the thoughts in the world, but um, it's just to see someone grow up in that environment and then just like almost in a way lash out by making a film. It's, I mean, The Last House on the Left is still a dirty movie, but, you know, if, if you were to watch it in 1972, it's really something. Um, but it is a, uh, it's a great, um, it has, the film is a great pay off of course uh, yeah it's personally one of my favorites it's probably like my second favorite uh Wes Craven film so like I said most people are already probably well aware with it but uh, Wes Craven's Last House on the Left uh is my first uh, honorable mention here yeah I won't uh I won't go into that one too much because we will be hearing from it uh on my side a little bit later uh on my list um I fucking love that movie. Um, all right, my number two um, honorable mention. Again, I wanted to, you know, put uh, 
my honorable mentions. I, this this list was really fucking hard to make just as a a top ten list, let alone having. But so I'm I'm happy that we're kind of getting to shine some light on other films that wouldn't necessarily have just missed the top ten. Um, and this is one of yeah. them. This is a beautiful movie, um, and for those of you who haven't seen it or maybe have heard of it and have just like been putting it off because you think it's like a weird art house film or whatever, fuck that. Watch this movie. Uh, this is again another 1981 movie. I didn't do that on purpose. Um, this is Possession. Um, I'm gonna fucking butcher the director's name. I won't even uh, attempt it. But um, I don't even say it either. I was like, it's too far. It's, it's I don't. It's so hard. Um, but Sam Neill is in it. Uh, for all you Jurassic Park fans out there, <laughs> or uh, what's that John Carpenter movie you did? Uh, Mouth of Madness. Anyway, this is a really beautiful yeah. movie. Um, it uh, you know, it was more of like a. I, honestly, I'm I'm out of all the the movies on this list, I'm kind of shocked that. This one in particular w- was kind of – on the one hand, I'm shocked because it, it, it's so beautiful. I mean it went to Cannes. It, I, I believe it won an award there. I, I think the lead actress won the, an award um, at, at Cannes, I, I believe. Um, so it, it had some pedigree to it. I mean not not all of these movies on this list would get into Cannes, that's for sure. But like on the other hand, her performance was so upsetting uh, – I can kind of see that they they would deem it distressing because it's really effective. It's really powerful. She really does a good job. Um, uh, Watch this movie. That's all I'm going to say. I won't get too far into it because I think that you should go into this one uh, kind of blind like I did. Um, Fuck. It's it's a really, really great, um, impactful uh, film. So Possession, 1981, uh, really good. Yeah, Possession's a classic. It took me a minute to finally get around to that one, but when I saw it, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, it it's funny, a lot of these a lot of these films are going to be from 81. I don't know if it's just uh, by coincidence. I mean, um, they're obviously going to be, you know, pre-84 or so. But it's funny because I was making this list, and, you know, I'm thinking of the year it came out, I'm like, oh, 81, 81, 81. So. It, was a good, it was a good year for fucking gross trash movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely, and uh, my uh, second honorable mention is a film from 1981 <laughs> um, from Umberto Lenzi called uh, Cannibal Ferox or Make Them Die Slowly. Um, it's basically just, um, you know, obviously heavily inspired from uh, Diodato's uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Um, but in my opinion, I think, I think Holocaust is a better film, but Cannibal well, Ferox has more replay value, um, in my opinion, and um, just a little, little sleazier, a little nastier. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, if if anyone is has not checked that, checked out Cannibal Ferox yet, or just any, you know, most of those uh, Cannibal films, a lot of them. There's a lot of similarities, but uh, Cannibal Ferox is um, the best Cannibal Holocaust ripoff. So yeah, that's my second honorable mention is. Uh, Umberto Lenzi's uh, Cannibal Fair Action from 1981. You definitely, I mean, for me, uh, I would agree with you that it is the, among, if not the best Cannibal Holocaust uh, ripoff, but 
Um, I have to be in a specific mood and sleazier. When you said it's sleazier, that's definitely correct. Um, I watch Cannibal Holocaust uh, a lot. Um, it is one of my favorite movies that exist. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but that's true. Um, so I like, that's my like it's like almost like comfort food for me like i watch that a lot but i have to be in a mood and sometimes i am where i'm like kim holocaust isn't going to do it right now i need it a little grimier and gross and even yeah. more like italian if that's even possible so like uh <laughs> cannibal ferox is uh is a great great movie i mean the those uh the hook through the tits i mean that is just right, yeah <laughs> That's worth the price of admission alone. And the the scalping on the head gag, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Really great. He's sticking out of like that uh, table and they slice, slice the top of the head off and you see they totally. Yeah, yeah, that great effect. Lots of fun gore. Yeah, and um, yeah, lots of fun gore in there. Another one with uh, Giovanni Lombardo or Adichie who will probably pop um, more times uh, as this list continues. But yeah, that is my... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, Ferrax is my uh, second honorable mention. So, all right, yeah, if you just want to kick it off with uh, top tens. Totally. So my number 10, um, you know, when I was making this list, uh, a lot of these movies I've seen multiple times, movies that I love. This is the only one on this list that I have seen only once, not for any other reason other than I, I mean, I really think it's, the strangest movie that's on my list, but among the stranger movies that I've seen, like, I don't know how the fuck this movie exists. And, uh, this is, um, Island of Death, uh, directed by, uh, Nico Mastarakis is a Greek. I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, yeah, this movie, um, I went in blind on this, uh, the, the poster, if any of you know and can picture it in your mind, it's the guy, the main guy, with his like mouth kind of open, and inside of his mouth is like a soup is an imposed photo of something else. I always thought that was really weird, and that's the like that's a good representation of how fucking batshit this movie is. I mean, right out of the gate, any kind of taboo you can really think of is pretty much in this fucking movie i mean it's it, like the bestiality and i just remember there being a lot of like piss and shit and weird stuff and like i it i mean it's makes you want to have to take a shower after you watch it which i appreciate and i'm glad it exists but uh i felt like it needed the recognition to be at least in the the last spot on my list i uh I don't know if I necessarily like like this movie. I appreciate it, and it's I appreciate its strangeness. Um, you know, a lot of these movies I can justify not being on the video nasties at all, just because I just think it's kind of silly. But this one, I'm like, no, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's my number ten. Check it out if you have it. It's a it's an experience. Uh, Island of Death. I have it. That's one I have to. Uh, I bought, but have yet to watch. So uh, I'll definitely uh, bump that one on the list and uh, check it out soon. Yeah, it's crazy. 
My uh, my number ten is uh, "Don't Go in the House" from 1979, directed by Joseph Ellison. Uh, this was um, not prosecuted, but it was on you know on the list. And uh, basically, it's about this uh, guy named Donald who you know he's a pyro and he suffered a, a abuse from his mom as a child by being burnt, um, you know, over the stovetop. And after his mom passes, he uh, just goes basically on a killing spree, <clears throat> uh, killing spree of women who uh, resemble his mom. And just the way that he that he does it is the craziest part. He builds this like fire resistant room room in his house and just blow hangs them up and just blow torches them and um it's not really the goriest film but it has it has cool effects and cool props in it another cool um one thing i like about it is that it has just this very dark toned down atmosphere and he keeps their uh charred remains you know in a room he'll prop them up in chairs and it's very uh on top of being entertaining just uh atmospherically pleasing to look at it just has this kind of dark tone and has this mood to it but um yeah that's my uh and that like i guess that would not go uh prosecuted that's my uh, uh number 10 don't go in the house from uh 1979 i haven't seen that one but you sold me i like the the method of murder that's pretty that's pretty cool just a blowtorch that's pretty rad yeah it's a uh, yeah it's a it's a strange one but you'll definitely enjoy it all right uh my number nine and it kind of has some similarities to uh to your number 10 uh mine is nightmare or nightmare in a damaged brain depending on who you ask i guess uh directed by romero scavellini um this one is uh about a guy who you know he's in some kind of psych ward he's a murderer um and they try to like do this kind of weird reprogramming thing, like an experimental process to kind of rewire his brain, essentially. Um, and they're like, all right, you're good. And they, uh, he's in New York, you know, he's in Manhattan and he goes to back when 42nd street was cool. He went to a, he goes to a peep show and it kind of like brings it back to, I believe he gets a flashback of, when his mother is murdered, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And uh, then he goes to Florida. I think he travels down to Florida and, like, it wants to kill his ex-wife and her new husband or lover or something like that. I don't know. It's a little strange and uh, a weird kind of premise, but also pretty cool. Um the effects, you know, have that weird history of uh, people say that Tom Savini was involved. He denies it, which is like so interesting. <laughs> um, I wish I knew all of that, but I, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I like seeing old New York, uh, that, you know, Hen and Lauder maniac uh, type of New York. I love that forever. So check it out if you like that as well um it's a cool like kind of you know guy going nuts movie uh so that's my number nine nightmare and or nightmare in a damaged brain which is also the greatest i, I fucking love that title i wish they yeah, had nightmare in a damaged brain that's so cool that's what i always I, that's what i call it just because i it's like my preferable title i'll just say I, I, i'll just call it nightmare in a damaged brain instead yeah. of nightmare so 
for sure. Yeah, Tom, Tom Savini definitely had involvement in that. There's a controversy that led him to have want to have no relation with that project, but there's even photos of him on set. It's he, yeah, definitely he part of it. But, all right, my uh, my number nine is uh, I Spit on Your Grave from 1978, and this one stars uh, Camille, and she is a young author who is. Um, retreating to a summer home that she has, and she is then uh, she falls victim to some of the, um, you know, to some some bad guys in the area who um, repeatedly abuse her, gang rape her. Um, but it's a it's a rape revenge film, so obviously you know you get the big payoff. Uh, you get to see everyone get what's coming to them. And um, I just think Camille Keaton is uh, really awesome in this movie, and I really love her character. I think I think her character as Jennifer in it is just you know, you know a complete badass. And um, I can see why this would fall on like the video nasties list. And I think maybe if like people approach this movie more more open minded, or even like the topic of like sexual assault in film or films like uh, like rape and revenge films, I think it'd probably as popular as a film that it is. Is um, I think it would have more mainstream popularity because um, it's a really, really great movie. Um, and like I said, as popular as it is, I still think it doesn't really have its proper credit. It's uh, it's one of the all-time greats for sure, and uh, I think it's one that everybody should check out. Um, not if you're, like I said, not, you know, something like, uh, it's brutal. It's not super graphic, but, but it's, you know, heavy and it's long scenes. Um so if that stuff, you know, for personal reasons or whatever, you don't watch, then I'd skip out on it. But but I swear in your grave is definitely a must-watch. Uh, one of the all-time great uh, rape revenge films. And uh, that is my number nine. It's a really – it's a great film. It's an important film in horror, definitely. Um, I – I love this film as well. It would have been on my list, but I kind of wanted to run the gamut uh, as best I could as far as, like, different subgenres represented. And, uh, I mean, it's no secret that I I have a, another rape revenge film on my list that we'll get to in a little while. Um, yeah, I uh, I love this one. And people are, you know, it's, it's a shame that people, not to generalize, but when, when you talk about a, a rape revenge film they only hear the rape part and they're like oh god no I blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. and that's i mean i get it like i'm not trying to say anything other than like it's not always about that part of it and in fact right. it's a catalyst to show how strong the the character is that will go through that and right and be like that's not how this is gonna work i'm gonna fucking kill you so, like, I, I feel like in movies like, you know, I Spit on Your Grave, which is obviously the the big pillar of this subgenre, um, I think that more people should should at least, you know, go into it knowing that it's it's more of the the, the brutal parts of that movie are, are more of the catalyst to show how <laughs> badass that character is, as you put it. Um, so, yeah, I that's a great. It's a great movie. Yeah, even the second one where you see uh, Camille Keaton walk into the church with all black to, you know, basically uh, uh, ask for forgiveness for what she's about to do. And then even seeing um, one of the, the gas station worker who was one of the men involved in it, 
passing by and seeing that he has a family, you know, and the kids and a wife, and she still doesn't still doesn't care. And um, totally. And it's you don't feel bad, you know. You don't doesn't make you feel bad either. It's just, uh, like I said, she just, um, she's just great in that movie. So, yep, I spin agree with number nine. Very good. Uh, my number eight is uh, a movie I'm sure everybody has at least heard the title of, if not have seen, you know, uh, the first and all of the subsequent sequels, maybe, because um, there's a bunch of them. This is Faces of Death. Um, you know, I, I don't really have too much to say about the movie that hasn't already been said. Uh, we all know now that it's more fake than not, which honestly, you know, I don't mind at all. Uh, the real kind of Mondo mixtape shock stuff isn't really my bag. I've seen a fair share of it. You know, it's not what I reach for. But Faces of Death, Same. there's like comfort of like... Knowing that it's staged, I think it's a lot cooler like that. Um, no monkeys know. were harmed during the during the filming of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I just think always, you know, uh, if you can fool somebody with effects rather than having to, you know, uh, rely on actual footage to shock people, I always think that's going to be cooler. Um, and for its time, it was like the tape that, you know, I remember my dad like talking about he, him and his friends watching it. Like it, it's, I mean, every generation has those movies where it's like, have you fucking seen this shit? Uh, yeah. So I really appreciate that about it. Um, and I know that recently we just lost uh, John Allen Schwartz, the director, who for a while wasn't known. To, you know, he used aliases or, or whatever, uh, but uh, that was a bummer. Um, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's silly. I mean, if you watch it now, you're like, come on. What's the fucking guy's name? Albert B. Gross or something like yeah, that? Something like that. Yeah, I was... I was literally thinking of what it was. I mean, it kind of has like almost like a Tales from the Crypt, like weird fucking thing going, like an anthology almost. Uh, which I know it doesn't get it gets more lumped into the, you know, mondo uh, subgenre, but it it almost feels more like an anthology to me because of like the host and the weird kind of campy uh, aspects of it. I don't know. It's uh, I like this movie. Um, so yeah, that's my number eight. Uh, check it out, Faces of Death, classic. My uh, my number eight is uh, Blood Feast from uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, uh, 1963. Uh, in Miami, it's about this uh, Egyptian immigrant. He um, runs a catering business, but he also wants to uh, pack up a bunch of girls, kill kill a bunch of girls, in an attempt to have a revival of. Uh, the goddess of uh, Ishtar. Um, Herschel Gordon Lewis in his films and in this film is, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it kind of started the splatter. There's a lot of, uh, it's, you know, heavily influenced. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is way ahead of its time in terms of, you know, how much blood and the gore he had in his films. And I just, you know, it's just um, interesting to see films like that, you know, from the early 60s. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, wouldn't have uh, half the movies you love uh, without Herschel Gordon Lewis and what uh, he inspired. 
So I had to had to put uh, Blood Feast somewhere in my in my top ten list. So it falls. Yeah, it's my uh, number eight. Uh, Nineteen sixty three. Gordon loses Blood Feast. Yeah, uh, I won't get too far into it because again, I'm gonna talk about it a little bit later. It's a little bit higher on my list. Um, what a great movie! And yeah, uh, just piggybacking off of the influence. Uh, that you were talking about. I mean, you can draw pretty much a direct line between Herschel Gordon Lewis and what's going on in the the underground right now, like the gore films. I mean, it's it was that's what it was all about. And it, I I still think it's just so cool that you know, however many years after that movie or or you know any of his stuff, you can still see that influence, whether it's intentional or not. It's just like cooked into heavy gory effects driven movies um where it's just all about the spectacle of seeing i mean and for the time really fucking effective gore and like i'm i'm sure a lot of it was you know uh real ish type you know effects as far as like animal yeah. whatever i'm not sure on yeah. that i have to uh, assume but he has a history of using the animal guts, I, yeah. I I think that's a uh, I think that's true. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, even so, uh, a visionary guy, and yeah, I, I'm gonna be talking about it a little bit um, later. All right, that was your number eight. Yep, that was eight. All right, so my number seven is a, a movie that I watched. I think I watched it maybe two years ago. Um. I went in blind and I ended up really falling in love with this movie. Uh, this is dead and buried, uh, directed by Gary Sherman, uh, with the screenplay by Dan O'Bannon, who I'm a huge fan of. I love, you know, obviously return of living dead, but alien and, you know, he's, I think he's really great. Um, but this movie really, uh, really got to me and not in the way that like it freaked me out, but like, I just really liked the atmosphere i'm a big sucker for like the whole town is in on it type of movies which this one definitely mm -hmm. falls into that category um and i kind of you know uh paid homage in a way to that type of um scenario in my first film kind of strangers it kind of had that type of bent not so in your face but yeah i i really think if I had to think about something that would really scare me, it's a situation that no matter who I talk to about it, either they can't help me or they're in on it as well. That's just, that's shit that really scares me and, and will keep me up at night thinking about. Um, so this movie um, definitely had that atmosphere. It kind of almost had like a, I don't know if it, Twin Peaks type of deal, but like it had like a, a shroud of mystery wrapped around it. Uh, I like the town it's set in a lot. Um, go into this movie blind if you haven't seen it. I don't really feel like a lot of people talk about it. Um, and it took me obviously a while to discover it, but um, it's a good one. Uh, so check it out. That is my number seven, Dead and Buried. I have not watched Dead and Buried yet, but. Um... That's another one I'll bump higher on my list. I've had it in my sights for a while now. So I'll definitely uh, definitely check that one out soon. That was, uh, yep, down to seven. My uh, number seven on the list is House on the Edge of the Park in, from 1980. 
from Regarde Diodato, who people also know from Cannibal Holocaust. Um, it has uh, it started as David Hess and uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radice, and uh, it's. I'm not gonna. If I explain the whole story, it kind of spoils the story. But basically, um, uh, Alex and Ricky, character of David Hess and Giovanni Lombardo Radice, they um, they also happen to be mechanics, and they own a garage. And you have some more upper class. Um, Teenagers, young adults, um, come in claiming they have some car trouble. Um, while they're fixing it, kind of inviting this party. They, you know, the the teenagers bring up this party that they're having, in which uh, David has a character and Giovanni uh, Labardo Radici kind of um, kind of force themselves into, you know, kind of shimmy their way in to be a part of it. Um, and during this party in this social setting. Uh, Giovanni, uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radici's character of uh, Ricky, he's kind of, um, you can tell he's like slightly on the spectrum with something. You know, I'm not sure if the character is supposed to be autistic or slightly Asperger's or whatever it may be. But um, these, uh, uh, the richer kids are starting to kind of, uh, you know, make fun of him and pick jokes on him. And um, then he's not picking up on socially, but David Hess's character um, starts picking up on it, and then um, it just launches into nasty uh, David Hessness, you know? <laughs> the, it's obviously this film has uh, some graphic sexual content, um, but it's overall just... Um, it's just a heavy-hitting movie. I, I think it's an underrated one. Um, I mean, it has its cult fan base for sure, but if people are into, like, rape revenge type films or uh you know if you like glass house on the left um definitely check this out it also has that um it's kind of like the model of glass house on the left but like the added in italian sleeves so um and it has this uh there's a twist ending um not which i'm not going to spoil there's a twist ending that i think actually technically doesn't really make much sense uh if you really think about it but um like many italian movies a lot of them you know a lot of the italian great Great horror movies, a lot of them technically don't make a whole lot of sense, but you know it's there for the, you know the entertainment and the visionary style of it, and um, and yeah, it's it's it, it can make sense enough. So so it's a really good movie, and people should definitely check it out. Like I said, I I love David Hess, and, and um, I think he's just you know he is what he does best uh, in this film, in my opinion. I actually even prefer it slightly more than Last House on the Left. Yeah, it's my uh, number seven. It's uh, House on the Edge of the Park, uh, Regardio Dado from 1980. And uh, House on the Edge of the Park was um, a prosecuted film as well. It's a good one. Uh, I'm also a huge David Hess fan. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting that like Regardio Diodato has like he he made Cannibal Holocaust, and then like that's all anybody ever talks about. In that, you know, which it's Cannibal Holocaust. It's one of my favorites, but like he did make other really great movies and this is one of them. Um, So, yeah, definitely watch this if you haven't. All right. uh, My number six, um, I wanted I could have filled this uh, list up at least halfway through with uh, Lucio Fulci movies. Um, I tried not to. 
so I got one in there again just to like <coughs> make sure it was represented, you know, because he's one of my favorites. He's one of the all-time Italian greats. Um, but I had to go with the Beyond uh, to be on this list at my number six <coughs> spot. Are you good? What was that? Are you good? Yeah, I'll get over here. I uh, had a had a sip of my drink and it went down the wrong uh, pipe or whatever, that. whatever term that would be. <laughs> I would hate to keep talking. No coronavirus here. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, the Beyond. You know, I um, I have it. I have the tattoo. Uh, I love this fucking movie. Um, I feel like as far Wait, as you see the tattoo, I missed it. It's just the Abon. Oh, my wrist. Um, oh yeah. As far as, you know, uh, I I don't even want this to sound like a slight to Fulci because I don't mean it that way. But as for my money, as far as storytelling and mixed with his like really strange out there visuals, I feel like the whole package is in the beyond. Um, you get his really powerful visual punches with like you know the 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 corpse on, on the wall and and the 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 blind chick and you know uh all of that you know just really iconic powerful imagery that goes along with this film but um i just think um as far as like the the gates of hell trilogy um this is this is my favorite this is the one that i've rewatched the most um I love this movie. Um, it I don't think it's my favorite Fulci. I mean, it's definitely up there. Um, I if I'm gonna like put on a Fulci, I think it's either it's definitely either the Beyond, but I really love uh, City of the Living Dead a lot. Um, but yeah, I uh, this had to be on there just as, as a full representation of the genius that that guy was i think if if you're just starting out on your Fulci journey if you if you've been looking for a place to start start with the beyond for sure um so that's my number six uh lucio Fulci's the beyond yeah the beyond is um a film that will uh probably pop up later so i'll have more to comment on in that film as well uh, we'll get to that later (laughs) Okay. Oh, we are at number six. Um, my number six is I, got, I have a two Regardio Dado films in a row. My number six is Cannibal Holocaust. Um, everyone probably already knows about this movie. You know, it's a, it's an underground classic. Uh, it basically plays is a little bit like a found footage where during a rescue mission, a professor stumbles across a video camera, and then the movie starts in a way where it's you see um, this crew uh, documenting the uh, the cannibalistic uh, indigenous tribes in, in that area, and then um, things just go uh, you know things go awry. And it's um, like I said, I mean, one, not much to say about it. It's an all-time classic. It's a uh, Campbell Holocaust really kind of got me into more extreme films too when i when i first watched it when i was when i was younger and uh so it's, it's like a big gateway i think into stepping into 
maybe more uncomfortable territory or different territory, uh, maybe the heavier side of, uh, of horror films. But um, it's a you know 100% must watch. It's an all time you know it's just a it's an all time classic. Um, yeah, it's my uh, number six is Riardia's uh, Cannibal Holocaust from 1980, and that was also a, a prosecuted uh, is prosecuted by the BBFC as well. So. Yes, uh, that will come up again later on my list. So I'll save my thoughts there. Um, all right, so my number five um, is another one that I've recently discovered, and uh, I, I'm kind of obsessed with it. Just the fact, again, the fact that it exists is so fucking crazy. Um, this is a movie called The Beast in Heat, uh, directed by Luigi Bazzella. Sure. Um, this is this would fit in line uh, with the you know Nazi exploitation movement um which is again just so totally weird and crazy that that was a thing that existed um again you have to i have to be in a specific mood to want to watch you know, like uh rip diane thorne yeah for real for real um but you know if you're yeah the big ones you know she wolf of the ss or you know any any of those type of things but this was this is a weird one so this uh this is about, you know, a Nazi uh, experimentation kind of camp-ish facility. And they have this beast that's kind of, you know, I mean, it was played by a, a, a little person actor. And it, they keep this thing in a cage and they feed it, um, you know, uh, pretty much streamlined. Um, what, what's the fucking word? That makes you horny. What's that word? Uh, um, Aphrodisiacs. Yeah, okay. Blanked for a minute. So they feed it that only. So it's horny all the time and like rattling around in its cage. And they bring ladies for it to bang. And that's pretty much the movie. I mean, it's crazy. Um, it's really fucking sleazy. It's really grimy and gross. Um but that's what I like about it. It does not give a fuck if you care about that at all. It is what it is, and it's this hairy fucking thing that's just banging these hot ladies um, because it is just so horny. <laughs> so, yeah, um, definitely check it out if any of that interests you. But um, as, like, a kind of a hidden gem for me in the, like, Nazi exploitation type deal uh definitely give it a watch uh so that's my number five uh the beast in heat that's another that's one another... that i have to get around to so i get there's a lot of good ones here that i um have yet to watch so i'm excited to, to dive into yeah likewise my number five um is uh, uh lucio fulci's zombie zombie two zombie flesh eaters uh, from 19 19- 1979, which is the unofficial sequel, technically prequel even, to um, George Romero's uh, Dawn of the Dead. Um, basically, you have uh, this woman, uh, her father's boat um, is abandoned, comes washing up, and uh, he he was a scientist in this, uh, business, uh island, this Caribbean island, and she needs to go down there to see basically what the deal with, you know, Know, what 
where her dad is. She's on a mission to find her dad. Um, followed by um, a reporter as well. And uh, it's just um, after, you know, as referenced by uh, Ken Furry and Dawn of the Dead, uh, it's uh, a voodoo curse has brought back the undead. And uh, this movie is just so visually pleasing. Obviously has the famous zombie versus shark scene. But um, top-notch, Fulci gore. Um, it's an all-time classic. I I throw this on even more than more than Dawn of the Dead. Uh, one of my favorite zombie movies of all time. Um, this was also a prosecuted film by the BBFC. Of course, it has the famous eye gouge scene too. Um, most people, I assume, have already uh, seen this one, but if you haven't, definitely check it out. It's one of the greatest zombie movies of all time. As uh, Lucio Fulci's Zombie or Zombie Two from 1979. I'm Number five. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have the fucking poster or or wall tapestry over there. Um, I'm a huge fan oh, of yeah, this. I like my zombies rotten and gross, and mm-hmm. you know, I I love obviously Romero's uh, original trilogy. They're arguably the greatest zombie movies of all time. Blah blah blah. But as far as the zombies go. And I know that there are different stages of, you know, but especially in Dawn of the Dead, the like blue, gray, blue paint, zombies, yeah. you know, they're great. And the kills and the gore in Dawn of the Dead are, is obviously, you know, second to none. But the zombies themselves, the gross, rotting, you can kind of smell them. Those Italian zombies, you know, from uh, zombie to uh, something like Burial Ground, which is yeah, for my money, one of my probably my favorite zombie movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Italians know how to fucking make some zombie movies, man. Uh, and that so- is how a zombie would, you know, if if a zombie were to be real, that's what it would be like too. You know, just these hollowed out, rotted. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's that's sure. that's another thing I forgot to mention uh, in comparison to like um, um, Dawn of the Dead, for example. You know, the zombies just like. Way cooler, and I know I obviously reference burial ground, but yeah, Italian zombies, Italians just know how to do the zombies right, like you were saying, and um, that gives this movie a huge advantage too. Is uh, and it just looks great, just um, where it's shot, how it's shot, it's just a, a great looking movie. So, um, it has and tons a of repeat powers. exactly, and it says zombie fights a shark, <laughs> yeah, it's essential Fulci, so. Exactly, exactly. All right, so my number four is one that we've already talked about, um, and that is Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast. Um, I don't really have too much more to say on it. Um, I, I just really think that as far as, you know, independent, original thinker, filmmakers, Herschel Gordon Lewis was, you know, one of the original people that were just like, we're going to make these movies how we want to make them as bloody as we want to make them. And, uh, we're going to, you know, it, it's just, I respect that so much. Um, some of his movies are, you know, a a little bit oddball and weird and, and the stuff that I don't really like doesn't have a lot of rewatchability for me. Um, but, Stuff like Blood Feast and The Wizard of Gore and, you know, um, 
the, those ten pole ones are are that for a reason, just because they I mean they're so important uh, for the the genre. And again, the lineage, you know, we all stand on that guy's shoulders. So like it, um, you just gotta give it up. So uh, yeah, that's my number four. What does he say? Have you ever had an Egyptian feast? Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, that's Blood Feast. Yeah. My uh, number four is more Fulci, and it is from 1981. It's uh, House by the Cemetery. This was another prosecuted one by the BBFC. Basically, it's about a family, the Boyle family, who um, moves into a house that um, the, uh, the colleague of the, the head of the home, the father, um, he, like, uh, Killed his mistress, killed his mistress, and committed suicide. And they're inheriting that home, and um, then they're soon to find out that you know, lurking in the basement, and is uh, basically this you know zombie Doctor Freudstein, um, <laughs> causing all these terrible things to happen in the house. And um, one thing I think that this movie absolutely nails is uh, just the atmosphere of the movie. Uh, it just looks. Um, it just looks great, and uh, it looks good enough to even um, the to look over the that audio the the voiceover dubbing for uh, the kid. Woo! What's his name? Danny. I can't remember his name. His name. But yeah, that <laughs> it is very distracting. But I think uh, Hospital Cemetery has enough uh, redeeming qualities to it, and the gore's fantastic. You know, it's, it's classic. It? Uh, what was that? It's Bob, right? Is oh, it yeah, Bob? it's Bob. It's Bob. It is Bob. <laughs> Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes it even, like, weirder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Bob. yeah. But, yeah, House by the Cemetery. Um, like I guess uh, it's, like, one of the most atmospheric horror films that exist. Um, but, yeah, that is, that is my number four. And that is a must-see if you haven't gotten around to it. That was the first Fulci I ever saw was house by the cemetery um and i was hooked like you said the atmosphere is so good that first like knife through the mouth kill where you see it come through her mouth i was like whoa that's fucking so cool i mean the thing how, however old the thing i love about this the thing i also love about that scene is it's uh it takes place like while there was uh, the house wasn't occupied and it was um a couple uh, exploring like the abandoned house in the basement, and I, I just think that's so cool. Just I don't know. I like I said, I absolutely love that scene. I actually recently bought uh, an ultraviolet shirt from uh, Art Ettinger, and it's uh, they're ultraviolet. Uh, where it has the knife in the mouth from House yeah, of Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. That's so cool. That's a good pick. Yeah, 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 definitely. So yeah, that was like the only one that was like in my size, and that's the one I was like crossing my fingers for that he had. So. It worked out perfectly. It's uh, it's awesome. But that's rad. Yeah, House of Cemetery. It's classic. All right, top three. Here we go. Uh, my number three uh, is a movie that I think we're gonna hear from uh, a little bit later, so I won't spend too much time on it. But uh, it is, of course, a movie that I'm sure everybody knows, uh, and that is Evil Dead, Sam Raimi's uh, original Evil Dead. Uh. Talk about an important movie in horror, in independent horror, in DIY, let's just fucking go crazy in the woods horror, which is my favorite kind. Um, it, it It's so weird 
as someone who has now gone on to make horror movies, obviously I saw this when I when I didn't even think that that was in the realm of possibility for me. But to look back on Evil Dead and realize how fucking young they were when they made that movie. That is unbelievable. And what they were able to pull off and how effective it is still and how much it's talked about, rightfully so, still. It, it's um, it's really incredible. Um, I can't imagine there's very many people who haven't seen it, but if you haven't, please watch it and please watch all of the subsequent Evil Dead universe things that there are because they all are really great. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not really much I can say and uh, I'll, I'll save some for you as well. Uh, but that's my number three, um, one of the best horror movies ever made, uh, Evil Dead. Yes, that is one that, that uh, we'll definitely begin to later, so I'll comment on that one. Uh, Coming up soon here. Uh, my number three is uh, Anthropophagus or Maneater or the Grim Reaper. Has, um, it's famous for having tons of different titles. Uh, this is another one from 1981. Uh, this is from Jody Amato. This was also prosecuted. Um, there's uh, these, these tourists are visiting a Greek island and a woman tags along with them who has a sibling on the island. Um, and basically, when they arrive, it's completely abandoned, and they're trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And uh, this this guy who was stranded on a boat, who was forced to, you know, just getting torn up by the sun, was forced to eat his own family, goes on this massive killing spree, which is that that isn't showed, but it's insinuated. Um, um, so just this abandoned island is only occupied by this crazy, not really a zombie, crazy burnt cannibal guy. And um, it's one of those movies where I've heard, I've, I hear people say they don't, they, they don't like it because it's, uh, I've heard that people call it like, boring or it's really not boring at all. It takes, you know, a second to kind of kick into high gear. But I think the second where you see, you know, the, the man-eater, Anthropophagus, the cannibal, uh, when that door creaks open and just seeing his face through the, through the light coming through the window is just even like um you know it's still you know it doesn't like freak you out but it's like, like creepy it's just a creepy shot it was, it was perfect and i think what really um solidified uh anthropophagus going on to uh being prosecuted and falling on the list or being prosecuted by the bbfc and uh falling on the video nasty's list is um probably because it uh, um, features a scene where a woman has um, her baby pulled out. A pregnant woman has her baby pulled out, and um, uh, a, a bite taken out of it. And uh, and I can see how in 1980 that was uh, maybe something a little bit rough, but it it's not like an insanely graphic scene. But Anthropophagus is an all-time classic. I love the cinematography. It's just you know pleasing to look at. Um, I don't think it's boring at all. So if you've put it off, maybe because you've heard that it's boring, it's not boring at all. And it's uh, it's an absolute essential to see. But yeah, it's my number three, uh, Jody Amato's Anthropophagus. Yeah, I've always found it interesting that people say that that movie's boring. I don't, I mean, exactly. Jody Amato's movies are a lot of things. 
I don't think that any of them are very boring. And this right, one's, exactly. uh, I mean, you're right about the fucking reveal of, the, I mean, he's got such a striking face as it is just the way they did the makeup yeah. and stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. and obviously there's a, there's the famous scene and I believe it's on the cover where like he's eating his own yeah. inner his own guts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that doesn't, that's not a boring movie. <laughs> Even if that was the right. only thing it, that wouldn't be a boring movie. Um, right. So yeah, I, uh, this one is, is great. Uh, I love like the Island, uh, bent and atmosphere and, and all that stuff. It, yeah. Really, really cool. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right. Last two. My number two is one that we've already talked about. Um, and that is Wes Craven's the last house on the left. Um, I've said it before. This movie is single handedly the, uh, it, it single-handedly changed the way I look at horror. It changed the way that I felt, you know, uh, watching a movie. I had never had the reaction that I had uh, before watching this movie. Um, just real quick about that story. I, I watched it way too young. Um, one of my favorite, you know, uh, movies or horror movies, horror in quotes, I guess, uh, growing up was... Um, uh, now I'm fucking up the title. Uh, House on Haunted Hill, the original William Castle House on Haunted Hill. Um, my yeah. dad introduced it to me. I was, you know, I love the, I love, I'm a, I've always been a big Vincent Price fan. Um, so we were going to, and I didn't own it at the time. I was just renting it a bunch. I would go to the video store and like just rent it all the time. And we had a new video store open up. It was one of the chains. It was Movie Gallery, I believe. And my dad took me and I was like, I want to rent The Last House on the Left, or I want to rent House on Haunted Hill. And he, not thinking about it, grabbed Last House on the Left. And it was one of those things where you couldn't read the the box because they had just like the Movie Gallery boxes. Um, yeah. And I would always watch movies alone. And at that point, I had seen House on Haunted Hill a million times. I didn't think anything of it. But what I ended up watching was The Last House on the Left, which is not the same. And it really changed my whole brain. I uh, I couldn't believe what the fuck I was watching. Um, and it really, I mean, it, it changed my life, quite honestly, because I... it. Up until that point, I didn't know that horror could be that. I didn't know that it could be that nasty and that grim and bleak and gritty and gross. Um, and upon you know growing up and, and revisiting it a, a few times now, there's just something about that movie that is just so brutal. Even today, I mean, it's it it really. I mean, it's really powerful. There's one scene that that sticks in my head. It's after the girls have been brutalized and, you know, they make them pee in their pants and like all of this awful stuff. And, uh, you know, they finish like carving the girl's chest and, and, you know, ravaging them on the, on the ground of the forest. And they all get up and David Hess and his buddies are, are looking at their hands and they're covered in blood and grass and dirt and they all look at each other and they're like, what the fuck did we just do? And it's this moment, it's not very long, but it's this moment of like, 
whoa, why did that just happen? And that really, as I mean, I didn't pick up on that when I first watched it, obviously, but you know, revisiting it, that always stuck with me as like, these are people and these are characters and they're not one dimensional bad guys, even though they're doing probably the worst thing you can do to somebody, you know, it's, it's, they, they've got other things going on. And, and, and that was really powerful for me. Um, and as a first film to come on the scene, Wes Craven, I mean, it, it's crazy. And to reinvent horror so many times like he did, it's just unbelievable. I have, I have so much love for that guy. So, yeah, that's my number two, uh, The Last House on the Left. Very important film for me and horror in general, I feel like, in my opinion. <laughs> did, your, uh, did your dad ever find out that he actually grabbed the wrong tape for you? I told him years later. He doesn't believe me, but... I mean, it happened, so. <laughs> he was like, I never that. I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, that I was. Um... To, I said it to, like, thank him. I was like, you have, you didn't, you don't even know what you did for me. I don't know, like, I wouldn't, I would probably be different now if I didn't see that right. then. You know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, that was, because um, ever since I was, like, a younger kid, I, really always loved horror films and i think it started when i was really really young and always loved halloween for some reason and since uh just a little kid i you know started growing like my uh kind of like obsession with with uh horror films and the one movie my mom would always uh i see you know she'd always say you know don't use you, you know you're don't watch last house in the left like you're not allowed to watch, watch last house in the left <laughs> so then obviously I I'm like, I need to fucking watch Last House in the Left. Yeah, yeah. But, um, that does that often does more harm than good if parents right. are like, there. It, it's off limits, and you're like, why? I gotta fucking find out why. Yeah. Right. It's like, dang, mom. Like, I didn't even. I haven't heard of Last House in the Left. Thanks for. <laughs> thanks for. Exactly. Exactly. Giving me the heads up on it. Yeah. All right. Uh, you're number two. Yeah. Yep. Uh. My number two, which is more Fulci, and it is another 1981 film, and it is The Beyond, or Seven Doors of Death. Um, this is, like, uh, this and the number one on my list are, like, the most, like, pure horror films. Um, it, it's just, The Beyond is my personal favorite out of uh, Lucio Fulci's, and it's just, um, just the... The fact that there's so many, it's so well, what it's about is um this woman who inherits this uh this uh, old motel, and during construction, um, uh it's bro there's like a gateway to hell, you know one of the or one of the doors you know seven doors of death uh the gateway to hell opened and unleashed, and just these crazy just starts wreaking havoc and just these crazy things happen and it has you know the coolest spider scene you'll ever see in your life and it has this gnarly dog attacking scene that goes zombies it's like it's not like um you know obviously it's not like an anthology film but just like you know just every there's just usage of so many things in so many creative ways in that movie and that movie is also you know one of the most atmospheric horror films ever um i watch the beyond you know at least a couple times a year um it's definitely one of my all-time favorite horror movies and my Definite favorite by uh, 
Lucille Fulci. Um, so yeah, that is uh, uh, my number two, the Beyond. And it also, what's interesting is it's one of those things where um, people also, I mean, this gets levied towards Alicia Fulci a lot, but um, if you're, you know, maybe watching it for the first time or whatever, a lot of it, it you know, may, might not really make sense. But the thing is, like, when it comes to, like, the plot of this movie, is like you can't think too hard of what the plot is. You know what I mean? You can't think too deep into it. It's literally like this gateway to hell was opened in her abandoned hotel and then just like havoc is unleashed. You know what I mean? And then obviously, you know, they're in hell. I mean, that's a, I should have said spoiler, but you, you should see the, you should have seen the beyond by now. You've had enough time. You know, <laughs> but, um, but it's just, um, yeah, it's just uh, fantastic. I love it. Yeah, uh, I I totally agree with what you said about like it. It's not an anthology, but it kind of can feel like that. Uh, it's right, and and I feel like he was so good at just like creating set pieces and just like little sequences that could almost live on their own. If you just saw that sequence, you'd be like, yeah. "What the fuck is this?" But yeah. like, you know, it it's little complete set pieces of like. Like the spiders, like the dog, like you know, and yeah, I um, I really love that about his work, and and uh, this is, I mean, it's so good. This movie, so good. Yep, it's like uh, like I said, it's like the perfect horror film. I you know, yeah. it's a, it, for me personally, it's just an absolute ten out of ten. All right, here we go. Number one. Um, if you know me at all, you know this is coming. Uh, my number one is one of my all-time favorite horror movies and all-time favorite movies ever made. This is Cannibal Holocaust. I remember seeing this for the first time, and I remember every subsequent time I've ever watched it, which is quite often. Uh, I try to make a habit to watch this movie a couple times a year at least. Um, super important movie to me. Um, effective. Uh, you know, and I, I, we were talking about this um, in the extreme horror episode that we did. Um, uh, when you, when you want to make that leap into, you know, the more extreme movies that everybody talks about, this is still on lists and this is still banned out there places and like this is still in the conversation which i think speaks to the effect of this movie and it's not i like to think that it's not just about you know the animal violence that overshadows how fucking good this movie is which drives me nuts but i like to think it's more than that i like to think it's you know the the commentary on you know who the real savages are, you know, I, I just the effect, uh, on, uh, the effect of that subplot and, um, you know, using the, the real indigenous people and, and all of that. I mean, it, it was just a perfect storm of elements that would make this movie still talked about however many years later. Um, and, I feel bad, like I said, that it has overshadowed uh, Diodato's other work, but if there had to be one, uh, it w it's this one. And um, I can't really say 
any more good stuff about this. Uh, Riz Ortolani's score is one of my all-time favorites. I love the look of this movie. I think all of the actors are great. Um, it's weird to see New York in, you know, like like academic New York, like NYU. You know, like that stuff is weird and like. Um, Every Italian film, uh, it has to have new. It's not an Italian horror film. There's no New York in it, even that's a little right. bit. Yeah, that's right. That's so funny. You're right. It's funny to fucking think about that, but yeah, <laughs> it's true. They just like are true. It's true. Oh man. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. It's it's one of my all-time favorite movies uh, ever. So. That's my number one. It had to be Cannibal Holocaust. And Cannibal Holocaust also, I just want to add, really did start to form, you know, really did start, uh, I guess, the formula of, um, like you are talking, uh, you know, the question of who are the real savages. Um, you know, all those follow-up Cannibal films, you always, there's always social commentary in the sense that you always see um, basically what, you know, the brutality happening to them is like justifiable act of revenge. Or at least like something that's um, understandable in a way. It's and, defense. Uh, yeah. It's like exactly. They, exactly. And they don't have the you know they don't have the ability to communicate like hey let's talk this out or like why are the fuck are you doing this? They've just got to do what they are gonna do and like you can't you can't fault them and you see the example of them being. You know, uh, with the with the professor that goes before you see what happened to the the film crew or the you know the students, he gets out because he's fucking nice and he treats them with respect and he's open to their, you know, culture and and he you know they feed him organs or whatever and and it's all good. But once you come and you rape and pillage and burn, you're gonna get fucked up. <laughs> exactly. Just payback. Exactly. All right, All right. So that was uh, number one. Number one. My uh, number one also happens to be my uh, favorite horror film, or I guess his favorite film of uh, all time. Um, not that it's an absolute perfect film, but it's perfect to me, and you know, I, uh, it holds a nostalgic value for me as well. But uh, it is uh, The Evil Dead... From 1981 by Sam Raimi. Um, everything about it's just, you know, just perfect. Obviously, you know, most people know the plot already. You know, the they're a group of kids going to stay at um, stay at a cabin, and they uh, through text translate, and um, basically just opens just hell on them, and. Um, the I watched the I watched the first time I ever watched the movie I was with my friend and we were uh, um, we were younger kids we were probably like maybe like nine maybe nine or eight or nine ish maybe but um just like even like the tree rape you know like this, this movie has tree rape and just um the movie just when it it doesn't make you wait too. You know, once it kicks into the gear, once it kicks into gear, it's just nonstop balls to the wall craziness. Um, after we watched it, uh, it scared the piss out of us. We were like, we had to like uh, go down the stairs to go to the bathroom. We're like, just didn't even want to like, you know, after the credits roll and everything, didn't even just want to like get up or move. But um, 
But yeah, it's like I said, um, I love the effects in it, even though they're not like absolutely perfect. But just this film, this you know, disregarding what came after it, you know, with Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness and the TV show, you know, Ash vs. Evil Dead, and the whole you know franchise that it became just the first evil dead you know where there's no comedic elements it's just a straight horror movie you know as much as i love the evil dead too but the evil dead uh the original is just you know i just like the fact that it's not really funny like i said it's just a straight horror film and um to me it's like the like uh another example like the perfect horror film the essential horror film like if somebody maybe who was unfamiliar with horror were looking for like you know like some of the first things they should check out i definitely recommend uh the evil dead um but yeah i heard actually sam raimi um kind of regrets the the tree rape scene but um and that also kind of uh solidified a spot on the list uh for the video nasties although um this one was not prosecuted by the bbfc i believe but this was like the video nasty this was um like the most uh popular video nasty at the time. Yeah, the atmosphere is perfect. Um, I love Bruce Campbell. Um, that's, like I said, my all-time fave personally is, is uh, the Evil Dead. Yeah, I mean, it's when you see the camera go, like, through yeah, the, the running, Yeah, the running, it's, yeah. It's iconic, and it's become, you know, it rightfully so solidified as, as one of the all-time greatest iconic horror movies and the fact that a couple of kids just got together and they were like let's do this they made the short before it and they're like we can actually make this a thing and did it mm-hmm. i mean i that's that's everything to me so like i um it's one of the greats absolutely all right and that uh that's number one that wraps up our uh, video nasties ranking we did it all right, well, um, you know, what was it? I said we just a lot of good ones on here. This was uh, out it of was all hard done. This was this was tough. Yeah, it was it was really hard list to make, and um, but yeah, I think um, uh, it, it, the things like with things like this, it's um, you know, like five years from now, it could be you know, there could be um, many changes in the list even, um, but yeah, like you're saying there's just so many uh so many good ones to pick from out of uh the 72 and to boil from the 72 down to 10 is uh really difficult but yeah all these are um you know all these are great horror movies just on their own you know disregarding the fact that they're on a video nasties list or not absolutely all right man like i said you know it's always fun having you on and talking about this and uh doing these rankings um if anybody uh, that was listening heard and are unfamiliar with these films, you know, definitely go and uh, check them out. Um, but yeah, that wraps up um, our video nasties ranking. Um, you know, I'll definitely uh, have you back on again and, and chat again. Uh, like I said, thank you once for doing this. Uh, I love doing this. Um, yeah, thanks for coming out. I really uh, appreciate it. Anytime, man. Uh, this is one of my favorite things to do is just, shoot the shit and talk horror so uh whenever you just say the word and i'm there this is this is awesome awesome well like i said definitely 
we will do this again. Uh, I appreciate it, but take it easy and, uh, you know, best of luck with uh, the future with uh, Dead Vision Films. And I'm really excited. Uh, I know you're talking about this uh, newer release that you're doing. Um, I've heard you mention that it's going to be kind of uh, more, you know, more of a gritty, nasty, uh, uh, pretty brutal horror film. And uh, I'm really excited for it. I'm really, really excited to check it out. And um, yeah, like you I've said, got, that I've got some. Just, I've got some shit to work out and uh, I'm going to, it's going to be definitely my uh, offering into the, you know, more extreme side. Uh, so for those of you who are into that, um, I, I hope you'll, you'll dig what we're going to do because uh, I'm really excited about it. And I'm also glad to hear that uh, Arthur Crenshaw lives and that, that is going to continue on. He sure does. Uh, yep. We're, we have a lot of really fun ideas um, that uh, I'm so fucking excited about. And um, it's going to be uh, really cool. Um, I think we're going to, I mean, we're planning to do it uh, in the winter next winter so it'll be arthur crenshaw in the snow is the plan oh which, okay you know i love uh i love blood on snow i love winter horror so um yeah that's super exciting um so yeah uh i'm i'm trying to stay busy so uh definitely for those of you out there who uh want to keep up um you know social media website dead vision you can you can find it um but yeah all good stuff I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that stuff. So, uh, like I said, uh, best of luck with that. And um, I'm sure people will really dig them. And I know people have a uh, really dug freak. So that's really cool. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate you saying that. Anytime. But, yeah, thank you uh, for coming on. And um, we'll definitely talk soon. Awesome, dude. Can't wait. All right. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Later.